The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. It can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1513. Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. That uh, letter from Paul with all the do's. I do, 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 do. I, you know, there, there's... I'm trying not to do that, and there it is. My flesh is making a joke listening to Holy Scripture. Do, 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 And the bottom line is the bottom line where he says, Oh, wretched body of death, evil that I am. Who will rescue me from this? Thanks be to God who gave his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the bottom line. He's not advocating sin it's not, it's not a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not a license, because he also wrote at one point in time, you'll remember, shall I sin more that grace may abound more? Certainly not. So what does it mean? Well, let's unpack the gospel message this morning. And if you want to, I mean, you can take a look at your Bible on page 15, 13, or you can make a note in your uh, uh, your, your bulletin to look at it a little, er, you know, look at it later. But the context for the gospel today is uh, actually at the beginning of chapter 11, whereupon um, Jesus has described um, to us and to those that are listening, uh, he's described everyone who's opposed him. And there were 
a lot of people that were opposing him. People were opposing him. Cities were opposing him. Like that job description that, that Ken gave, being a prophet was pretty tough work. People were inclined not to listen to you if they didn't like what they heard. And oftentimes they didn't like what they heard, just like today. Jesus described those who opposed him as children sitting in the marketplace, calling out in Matthew eleven seventeen. They said, we played the flute for you. Uh, emphasis mine. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not lament. This means that some of the Jews did not receive the teaching of either John the Baptist or Christ. Instead, they took offense at the behavior of Jesus and at the behavior of John. They were offended, counter to what they had created in their own image of a culture. Cancel them is what they would say today. John did not eat or drink, they said. He was a demon. Christ ate and drank, and they said he was a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Wisdom is proven right by her actions. Christ went on to describe the opposition of the cities that rejected him. In Matthew eleven twenty one, he names out Chorazan and Bethsaida. He said, they witnessed many of my miracles, but they refused to repent. And the people of Capernaum, noted in Matthew eleven twenty three, the people of Capernaum thought that they were spiritual and destined to be exalted to heaven. But they would be brought down to Hades, according to Christ, because they did not pay attention to his mighty works. So you, you got to wonder that surely people were noticing the increasing opposition to Christ that he faced. Perhaps some of them were whispering that Christ was getting nowhere in his preaching. Whole towns ignored him. And some people were increasingly critical or outright hostile to him. They want to throw him off a cliff. So we come to the Holy Gospel that was appointed for today, Matthew eleven twenty five through 30. And Christ seems to be answering the criticisms that he encountered. The so-called wise people of the world who were not receiving him. And instead of being sad or angry or moping around, Christ praises his Father in heaven. And the Father has hidden the truths of the kingdom of heaven from the wise and the prudent and had revealed them to the little babies. The world's not wise. Amen? Are we wise? No. 
Now, it is not that the people who reject Christ are really wise. We know that. That's, that's dumb. If they were wise, then they would receive him and repent and listen to his teaching. But since they do not, then their wisdom is really only an appearance of wisdom. It is a wisdom that the world likes. Boy, he looks really smart. But this is not, this is not wisdom in the eyes of God. Instead, these are people with the world's wisdom, but not the Father's wisdom. Now, please do not draw a conclusion from the passage that we read that the Father or Christ does not want everyone to be saved. He does. Christ says, Father, you have hidden this from the wise. This is not to say that the Father keeps people from being saved. No, he does not even want the worldly wise people to perish. He just doesn't. John 3.16, for whosoever would believe. He wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, but no one no one will be saved by false wisdom, pop wisdom. You just won't, and we know that. To be saved, they must not trust their own wisdom, but the Father's. So as long as they are clinging to their own wisdom, they make themselves blind to the truth of the Father, which is Christ, the truth, God, the Word, sitting, speaking, walking with, eating with them. At that moment, they rejected him. And nothing has changed. The Father allows them to, rem to remain blind, just like he does today. In fact, he may increase blindness so that perhaps those that are blind can realize just how blind they are. In the end, anyone who is saved is not saved by any quality in themselves. We know that human wisdom does not make a person any closer to the kingdom of heaven. The opposite, the opposite of wisdom is true as well as far as it making you closer to the kingdom of heaven. Fools. A person who is foolish in the eyes of the world is not necessarily any closer to the kingdom. No one can be saved by their own qualities, whether it is wisdom or foolishness. But, listen to this, but the foolish have one advantage and that is this, they realize that they are not wise. And if they realize they are not, not wise, perhaps they will know that they need something outside of themselves. It is such humility, at least they will not cling to their own pride to the exclusion of the gospel. If a person realizes they aren't all that bright, maybe they won't lean on their own understanding and they'll just accept the gospel as it is intended, receiving a gift in faith. 
have a family member who has since passed. I love her very, very much. She had a lot of different things she said. But uh, one of them that has stuck with me is this. You can't fool me because I'm not smart like you. As long as so-called, the so-called wise cling to their wisdom, they will push away the gospel, and they need a complete change of heart to repent. They need to be brought down to their needs. They need to say to the Father, uh, they need to say this, Father, I thank you for giving me all that I have. They need to be able to say, everything I have you gave me and help me be humble in my wisdom. Let me ask you this. Are we ashamed to be seen as babies by the world? Are we ashamed to be thought of as foolish and stupid? That's... I don't really like it have somebody think of that, but you know, in this in this realm, I'm, it doesn't happen. But we step outside that door and we speak of Jesus Christ to a world that doesn't want to hear about Him. We need to know this: make no mistake, that sinful people of the world will think of you and of me as idiots if they know that we are Christians. They might be friendly to you if they don't think you really believe the fairy tale and all that other stuff as they see it. They might be friendly to you then, or they may act like they do not care what anyone believes, although they really do, whether they know it or not. And they may act friendly to your face, but they may have or they likely have contempt for you secretly in their heart. One way or the other, they will think of you as mental babies. And they hated Christ, and they hate you. Be prepared to be treated with contempt. Be prepared to be looked down at, upon, because you trust in Christ. Christ is telling this to his disciples, to those that are following him. And he's telling it to you and me today. On the other hand, please do not take this passage as a call for you to strive to be deliberately foolish. And I know that you wouldn't because we all have plenty of folly and foolishness in our lives already. We don't need to add to it. We don't need to make ourselves deliberately ignorant to the Word of God. We need to be about studying it. We don't need to be making friends with the world because that would be pushing away Christ. We need to be seeking wisdom. And we need to make ourselves foolish in regards to the ways of the world. And say that again. We need to be foolish to the ways of the world, the trends, the fads, 
those practices that are not a God. We need to be foolish to it and not partaking in it. Is the church immune from this? No. Sometimes so-called wise people are in the church. Sometimes they think that they have Christianity all figured out. And they have mastered all that they ever need to know. These are self-wise people. And they locate wisdom inside themselves rather than from the Father. We need to be careful of this because it's a seductive trap that we think we know all that there is to know about God. To be a a babe in faith means always knowing that your father is the wise one and not you. I practice this. When I look in the mirror, I say, who do you think you are? And it recalibrates me. Who do you think you are? And even though we strive for wisdom, it is only God's wisdom that is passed to us through his word. Of ourselves, we are always foolish. Apart from our Father, we are liable to stumble into all kinds of paths. Apart from the Father. Apart from that morning prayer and apart from that evening prayer. Another thing I say in the mirror. (laughs) Humble up. And I say to you, humble up. No, really, do it. So let's go further. If, even if you should feel that you have attained all the wisdom that you think you can, then, then pray this, as I alluded earlier. Father, I thank you because I know that all I have is from you, and of myself I am nothing. Better yet, pay attention to your life and see all the foolish things you do. Boy, I'm glad a camera isn't following me 24-7. Because if it did, I would not bother to even think about what I have attained. If I was on that reality TV show and they were following me all day, I wouldn't be thinking about all I had attained. Instead, my prayer would be this, Father, I'm amazed that you haven't cast away this fool, a great fool as I am. And I would ask him, please be patient with me and forgive me of my foolishness. Such humble hearts, to such humble hearts, the Father reveals himself and he gives repentance and true wisdom. He gives his son. Christ is the wisdom of God, and he says this today. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
there's a usual way of translating this verse, and, 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 that, and that you just heard. It, it highlights that Christ, the humble one, he will give you rest because he's gentle and he's lowly. And he does not afflict the humble and the weak. Instead of that, he, he gives rest and he gives a light yoke. And there is some truth there in that kind of soft interpretation. But a more likely translation reads this. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me that I alone am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What we learn from this is that Christ, what he's like, he is the gentle and the lowly. You and I aren't. I'm not real gentle sometimes, and I'll tell you what, I'm not real lowly either. I'm pretty puffed up. Only he is those things. He did not come to crush sinners as we deserve. Thank you, Jesus. He did not come to boast and glory in himself. And far from being one of the worldly wise people, he was not ashamed to be thought of as a fool and far worse. And he faced the shame all to purchase us. The shame of the cross. The shame of a brutal beating. Punched in the face. Spit on. Mocked. Pinned. To a cross. He did it willingly. He was willing to be seen as foolish because he followed the wisdom of his father. Which leads to rejection and suffering. He could have shown, outshone the world with all of his majesty. He could have had every knee forcefully bowed, bowed. But then there wouldn't have been the shame, and there wouldn't have been the pain, and there wouldn't have been the crucifixion, and there would have been no resurrection. And it was for those things that he came. The wisdom of God followed the strange path of all of that. And that seemed so unwise. That seems so unwise to our own common sense, doesn't it? God saved the world through a little baby and he gave his son up so that he could be punished and spit on and beat on for you and me and die? That's his plan? Do I have a different choice? The world says. Therefore, we find rest, we know, for our souls because he is gentle and lowly in heart. And we learn from him that we have a better life coming, which is the fruit of Christ's humility. We learn that we can face the same kind of path as Christ. We learn that we can first face shame in this life and then a life of glory to come. And we know, should know, that in this life 
the suffering we have is temporary. So your rest is coming. And it will not always be so in this life that it's easy. But he says his yoke is easy and a light burden he gives us. And they don't always feel like that, do they? Has anyone got a light yoke and an easy burden right now that doesn't feel so light and so easy? Yeah. Every one of us. And he would say, be patient. And follow the path. Stay the course. He would say, this is the best path for you to be on. The path that our dear Lord first traveled. He knows. He knows. We should keep our eyes on Him and we should learn from Him. And we know that He will show us that He took the heaviest part of the burden. That's why the burden's light. It's not burden free, it's just lighter. Because He did the heavy lifting. He will show us His gentleness by which we know that He will not destroy us. He could have. If y'all had been my kids, and I was up there in heaven, I'd say, don't you make me come down there. Wouldn't you? But he didn't. The burdens that you and I suffer now are from a gentle hand of him who loves you more than you can imagine. And he does sympathize with you in your pain. Because he's been through far worse. He's paid a tremendous price for you. And his promise is that he will not cast you aside as if you are some cheap trinket of little value. No. No. He followed that path of shame because he treasures you. You are his beloved. And with that knowledge, we can endure our burdens because we know his love. And this same Lord, he gives you gifts of patience and endurance through his Holy Spirit. Cling to him in the name of Jesus. Amen.